shooting out sparks over 38 states, the Canadian plains, and the tequila fields of Mexico. A program most deserving of a grand introduction. The Nocturnal Journal. The talk of the town. WGN Radio 720. With your guide, Dave Hoekstra. Daytime turns me off and I don't mean maybe. Welcome to Nocturnal Journal on June first, two thousand nineteen. Uh, in the next hour, we got a, we've got a good show tonight. We got Jonas Friddle playing some old timey country music, uh, ten to eleven o'clock in the uh, studio here at WGN. And from nine thirty to ten in the studio, we're going to have former state senator William Maravitz talking about his latest project, uh, the musical Miracle, about the two thousand sixteen world champion Chicago Cubs. And our first guest on the phone from Tennessee, our friend Lee Date. Yeah, I saw the number. <laughs> it wasn't uh he's gonna be here in a minute. Lee David Zimmerman, uh, who wrote a book called Americana Music, Voices, Visionaries and Pioneers of an Honest Sound. It's out on uh, Texas A&M University Press. And Rose getting David, uh, Lee David Zimmerman on the phone right now. Are you there, D Lee? I am indeed. <laughs> we had the wrong number there. So <laughs> thanks. Uh, oh, no, you're kidding. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we didn't waste too much time. Thanks for joining us. It's a fantastic book, Americana Music, Voices, Visionaries, and Pioneers of an Honest Sound. It builds organically over like 50 years. You know, I mean, I, I, it starts, you kind of, you know, start at the very beginning of this. So I think for listeners, why don't you first of all define, and you do it in the book, but define what Americana is to you, Americana Music. Well, the thing about the book is that I let the folks that I interviewed, some of these iconic figures, uh, be it Ralph Stanley or Chris Hillman or Guy Clark, I let them talk about their careers. And through their words, I came to sort of an understanding of what this thing called Americana is. My original thought was that when I listened to bands like the Birds and the Flying Burrito Brothers and Poco and Nitty Gritty Dirt Bang back in the late 60s and early 70s, well, to me, that was Americana. That was what they called it country rock or roots rock at the time. But it really is this thing called Americana that's so popular now. It's got a new label, but the sound, you know, evolved out of these earlier origins. And, and I tried to make that fact uh, all the more impressionable through these stories. You know, um, a couple of the themes in the people you talk to, and maybe we can elaborate on, the, uh, on this, is that uh, there's sounds and songs that are derivative of tradition. And I think what's yeah. also timely right now, uh, some of them are sounds of, of other worlds and of immigration and stuff. So can you, can you talk exactly. about how that feeds into uh, Americana? As we know, you know, I, I, I've been, and I know you have too, I've been following Americana since it got created, since it was hatched, 
And it turned into, yeah. when I, I remember it being kind of a little niche thing, and now it's kind of turned into kind of a big, unwieldy thing, and I can't keep track of it anymore. <laughs> it, it is a huge umbrella, yeah. because if you really want to talk about it in the strictest terms, Americana is a big umbrella. I mean, it incorpor- incorporates, uh, you know, country, folk, uh, rootsy music, traditional music, uh, R&B, soul, blues. It's it's huge. So to kind of pin it down to any one specific genre doesn't really do it justice. But I, I, I kind of sum it up. I've come up with a sort of alliteration that these artists have reverence for their roots, but contemporary credence. Mm. As you can tell, I'm big on alliteration. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I think that defines it. I, I think uh, whatever style of music falls within that umbrella, all of it sort of relates to an archival or traditional sound. And through their interpretation and their imagination and ingenuity, they've made it very uh, contemporary sounding and very immediate. And I think that's maybe a key to what Americana is these days. Can I also ask then uh, what isn't Americana? What is Americana? What is not Americana? What is not Americana? What falls outside of that uh, umbrella? Well, you know, like I, is, I like, it, like is, my, uh, is polka? Is polka? Is what polka be? If you're talking about uh, electronica, mm-hmm. perhaps, or a real proggy sound, maybe that's not Americana. I was tempted to say rap music might not be Americana, but people will correct me because when you think about the work songs that were sung in the Old South with the field workers, a lot of that was a a spoken rhythmic sound. So maybe rap music is Americana. I, I, I tend to think it might fall into that category. I would agree with that. Um, I want to get to the meat of, uh, to whet the uh, appetite of the listeners. Steve Forbert, Timothy B. Schmidt, Chris Isaac, Sam Bush, our friends, the Mekons, they're going to be on in a couple weeks, uh, John and oh, Sally. Great. So talk about how you, I love it. Talk about some of the people in, in the book, who you picked, why you picked them. Well, I, I, I guess the, the answer is I picked artists that I personally enjoy. And having said that, I did have to narrow things down because I'm a music obsessive and I like a lot of artists. So I really had a focus in on artists that, A, I admire their music, and B, I felt that they contributed in some way to a strain of Americana music, like the Mekons, of course, you know, uh, they really originated out of the English punk sound and their insurgents. But at the same time, since resettling, I guess, here in Chicago, um, they've adapted to a more Americana, folky kind of sound. Right, and Sally points um, out in, in your section on them, Sally Timms does say, you know, we, we have a strong folk connection. She says that in your, in your book. Exactly. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, You know, somebody like Chris Isaac, well, he went back to his roots. He he did an album that uh, was music from the Sun Studios era. And so he deliberately went back in the past and emulated some of that classic music. And, uh, you know, of course, getting the opportunity to speak to somebody like the late, great Ralph Stanley or the wonderful Guy Clark, um, I I was fortunate, fortunate enough to speak to them prior to their passing, of course. But uh, when I was presented with the opportunity to, to speak to such legendary individuals, I jumped at it. How could you not? So uh, there's a combination of different things. But I think that the, the one constant was the fact that I really, really admired, loved their music. And at the same time, I, I had a chance to speak to these legends. And uh, that was so enriching in itself. Okay, we're going to take a break. Um It's called Americana Music, Voices, Visionaries, and Pioneers of an Honest Sound by Mr. Lee David Zimmerman. And it's on Texas A&M University Press, and it's got Scott Abbott on the the cover. So don't go away. I want to talk a little about your own roots in music, okay? So you can hang on a little bit. Exactly. Happy to. Don't go away on Nocturnal Journal TV. You're my suitcase out there, too. So my troubles out the door I don't need them anymore Cause tonight I'll be staying here with you Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal. That's Lee David Zimmerman. And uh, you, I asked you for some of your favorite songs, too. That was one of the songs you picked. Uh, so talk about Bob Dylan, Mr. Zimmerman's influence on you, uh, Lee. Well, we share the same last yeah, name, right, for one. <laughs> and, and I have to tell you, I do have a cousin named Robert Zimmerman. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to leave you hanging. That's all I'm going to say. But, uh, you know, uh, Bob Dylan, uh, uh, you know, uh, an American icon, one of the greatest songwriters in history, I was going to say in the 20th century, but goes well beyond. And uh, Dylan has come up with so many amazing creative ideas in the whole trajectory of popular music. But when he went country, quote unquote, with John Wesley Harding and then more definitively with Nashville Skyline, he really, really changed the course of popular music. Uh, Him and and the band and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, for the first time, the old school Nashville players mingled with these long-haired hippie types and found common ground, whereas before, it was uh, two different worlds. You know, it's funny, I'm going to drop a name here, you know, I've got some in the books, but Today, in fact, I spoke with Charlie McCoy. Yeah, Charlie, Charlie McCoy, yeah. an essential Nashville central session player. And, and he gave me a little insight into Dylan because he worked on any number of early Dylan albums. And so I had to ask him, I said, Charlie, actually I said Mr. McCoy out of due reverence, but I said, what 
but was still alike. Does he talk? Does he crack jokes? And he said he doesn't talk. Somebody once said about Bob Dylan, he's the only guy that doesn't have a good comeback for hello. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked to him for the, our, our little documentary on the Staples Singers. He was, he was good to work with. Um, wow. So um, you were a former promotions rep at ABC, Capitol Records. Um, what, did you yep. see, what did you see from the inside, uh, uh, like the inside of the business? And how did you apply that into the book? Well, I'm not sure that I really applied that into the book per se. But I'll start with the first question you asked. I found out, and I still know this, that there's a lot of music out there that's all competing to get through a very, very narrow tunnel. They, there's, there's, there were dozens, if not hundreds, of songs out there that were worthy of airplay. And my job was to get these songs on the radio. But the competition was so immense. Any given week, there were 30 or 40 current songs all vying to get on playlists, which, for the most part, would only accommodate maybe one, two, sometimes no new songs. With the top 40, you know, <laughs> the songs are still in circulation. It doesn't leave a lot of room to get new material on there. And it was very difficult and, and often very frustrating because you had these great songs that <sighs> it would take forever to get the program directors to pay attention. And uh, the competition was immense. So as far as your second question is concerned, now that I'm a, a writer, a so-called reviewer critic, although I don't consider myself a critic, I have every week dozens and dozens of publicity people hawking their new artists or their old artists or something. Every week, there are dozens of albums that they bring to my attention that they want me to review. And like the, the promotion guy that I was, it's very difficult to get past the competition. There's only, there's only so many hours in a day and only so many reviews and articles that my editors will accept. So I can have in front of me three or four dozen great albums that I would like to uh, write about, but there's simply not that possibility. And, and ultimately, it comes down to the fact there are so many great artists that still linger beneath the radar because they can't get heard or they can't get reviewed or they can't get noticed. And it's, it's just sad, you know, that there's so much great music out there and we'll only really become aware of a fraction of it, right. depending on our interest. Some people dig deeper, but mostly the mainstream is only going to hear about very few of them. Sometimes the best stuff's on the outside of the, of the borders, you know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Americana definitely. Music, Voices, Visionaries, and Pioneers of an Honest Sound. How can people find it, Lee? Well, very easily. Um, they could go to Barnes & Noble. They can go to uh, Amazon. If you uh, type, type in Americana Music, Voices, Visionaries, 
or type in Americana Music and my name, Lee David Zimmerman. That, that way it'll come up. But uh, Target has it, Barnes & Noble, most of the major stores have it. Um, a lot of the independent bookstores have it as well, and um, it's out there. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a very, very, it's a very handsome book. How long did it take you to put this together in terms of like doing all the? How many interviews did you do for the book? There's uh, something like three dozen in there, and uh, you know, writing a book takes time, but finding a publisher willing to publish it takes even more time and even when you find a publisher it was like two years from start to finish with this and um yeah and now i'm writing a new book about a a famous producer that's going to take time it's a very long process um and and i have to give credit to my wife elisa cherry who took all the wonderful photos in the book this was her sort of maiden voyage as a photographer and She's gotten a lot of compliments on her photos as well. There's a nice one of Casey Chambers there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the Americana Fest. Yeah, yeah, she is. She yeah. is. She is. Yeah. Um, what did you, um, I'm looking up here in the studio, what did you learn about music and, and, and the industry that maybe you didn't know before you set out on this journey? Well, I, I think the fact that there are very few overnight wonders. I mean, well, today you see a lot of artists, you say, where do they come from? Never heard of them. But for the most part, musicians take a very long time to develop their craft. They start out in very small, inconspicuous places, clubs or bars or a very uh, inauspicious venue along a very inauspicious uh, tour route. And so it's the, the music that we that we hear the music that emerges uh, is the product of a lot of work and a lot of really application to to making this music the, the common denominator seemed to be that most of these artists that I've talked to knew from very early on that this was what they wanted to do. They didn't want to do the nine to five. They were willing to focus on their music, to write songs, to record, to work with other musicians, and really hone it, even at the cost of not being able to pay the rent or living in their car or doing whatever sacrifice they had to do. And it, it, it's... I greatly admire that determination. You know, it's it's not a quick trip to fame and fortune, and uh, it, it takes a lot of hard work. And I admire their perseverance in, in, in doing that. It's a. I mean, you're right. It's a commitment. I'm looking. I'm looking at David yeah. Bromberg. I mean, David Bromberg. You know, he's come through Chicago, and you know, he's played with a lot of. You know, you've got a lot of people in here who just you can you can feel the commitment. Timothy B. Schmidt, like you said, he's a zealot. He's been he's been everywhere. You know, he's he's done everything. Timothy B. Schmidt. He says the Eagles. Yeah. He says yeah. in your book, the Eagles are no longer. The Eagles are dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, you know, there, there's always going to be egos present. It's, I guess, uh, a natural occurrence when you get to a certain level. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, I think the, mu- the musicians that retain that honesty and integrity, that, that true soulfulness, put the music first. 
You're right. And, and uh, you know, when you do that, the results are going to be spectacular. Thank you, Lee David Zimmerman. Thanks for joining us tonight. My Over pleasure. There. You're in eastern Tennessee? Yes, I'm just south of Knoxville. When people, when I tell people I'm from Tennessee, they automatically assume I live in Nashville. Yeah, but yeah. no, there's much more to the beautiful state of Tennessee than than uh, Nashville. And where I live, just south of Knoxville, Tennessee, it's a fertile area for great music. So, uh, and great mountains like the Smokies. <laughs> Job well done, Americana music, voices, visionaries, and pioneers of an honest sound. It's on Texas A&M University Press. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Okay, and we'll be back after David Jennings in the news on WGN. Hey, hey, holy mackerel, no doubt about it. The Cubs are on their way. Hey, hey, the Cubs are going to hit today. They're going to pitch today. They're going to field today. Come what may. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. And in the studio, we are very proud to have William Maravitz, former state senator, but now co-producer of Miracle, a musical 108 years in the making that celebrates the 2016 World Champion Cubs. That song was from 69. Thanks for coming down to see us. Uh, it's great to be here, Dave. Great. So tell us, I went and saw it. Tell us a little about the about the play. And you started you started this musical actually before they won, right? In the spring. I did. I came up with this idea in February of 2016, before the season ever started, before they even reported to spring training. And I was working on another idea, another show, and uh, didn't didn't come together. And I said, you know what? I have another idea. We're going to do a show about the 2016 Chicago Cub season. As seen through the eyes of a typical working-class family in Chicago, generational Cub fans that own a bar in Wrigleyville and have lived and died with their beloved Cubbies. I have no idea what's going to happen with this season, but I'm a pretty big baseball fan, and I think they have as good a chance as winning as any team in baseball. They have as good a team as any team in baseball. And let's follow this family through the highs and lows and the ups and downs, losing faith and regaining faith, uh, and watch the 2016 season unfold. And little did I know it was going <laughs> to turn out the way it did. But, uh, you know, if they hadn't won, I think we might have had a show called uh, Wait Till Next Year. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so when, did you, when did you start working on it? Uh, how, did you, uh, how did you recruit Jason Brett, uh, co-founder of the, uh, did the book, co-founder of the Apollo Theater? And, uh, so, well, so, yeah, I, talk, talk about how it all sure, came together. I, I've started working on this in 2016, in February, in, in March of 2016. Um, I had people, uh, a friend of mine named uh, uh, Julian Frazen has been working on this with me from the beginning. And we had quite a number of scripts friend of mine named Ira Burkow, a Chicagoan, who's a Pulitzer Prize winner. He wrote a couple of scripts. I had songs written. I had other people write scripts. And for some reason, they just never worked for me. They just never resonated. I just didn't feel that there was enough character development. The audience would really get engaged, get energized with this, with this family. And um, then I hired a whole new team in September of 2018. Jason Brett, who had produced about last night, yeah. he's a good friend of mine. 
Damon Kylie, who's uh, the uh, head of theater for DePaul, and a genius composer lyricist named Michael Mahler. And we started working this in um, September of 2018. And frankly, I was told over and over, you can't do it this quick. You can't get it done that quick. It's going to take us at least a year. We'll be ready maybe, maybe in September of 2019. And I said to them, I said, that's not going to work for me. I said, I'm producing it. I'm raising the money. I'm putting my own money in. This has to be ready for the beginning of the baseball season. Well, it just can't be done. Well, it's, it's going to be done. And if you don't think it can be done, then we have to look for somebody else. And it was done. Everybody worked very hard. I got to give great credit to the three creative geniuses who who put this thing together. I got to give great credit for Tom Ricketts and Mike Lafrano and people on the Chicago Cub organization who helped give us the uh, highlights, the parade footage, the World mm-hmm. Series footage from Major League Baseball. And um, it's, it's, I think it's something special. It's playing at the Royal George Theater, 1641 North Halstead, open-ended? Open-ended. You've had some people come by. Wilson Contreras, I read, came by. One of the Wilson Cubs Contreras catches. was there last weekend, and he absolutely loved it. He laughed, and he cried. Yeah. And he really cried real tears that he wiped away as we watched the World Series of 2018-16 unfold. Yeah, yeah. More players coming, do you think? Oh, yeah. So there'll days be a lot off. more players coming. Ryan Sandberg was there opening night, and we've heard from quite a number of players who will be there in the uh, very, very near future, including Joe Madden. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, what was your first Cub game? Do you remember? First oh, Cub game I could you saw? never remember my first Cub game, but I can first remember. First season? I mean, what, yeah, what were your I early years with the I can getting on the L, having to take two buses to the L, getting off at Addison. I think it cost us a quarter to get into the bleachers. I went with all my buddies from school. We took our shirts off. We got a great suntan. And... Um, the seats were not reserved, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just guys being guys. It was wonderful. We loved it. Uh, we were in the right field bleachers. We always had pretty much the same seats. That's right, yeah. And yeah. I, and I and I loved it. But I must also say, I'm also a White Sox fan, and I would right. uh, I would not be I'd be dishonest if I didn't say that I was also a White Sox fan. But you, um, 18 years in the Illinois General Assembly, Wrigleyville was your neighborhood. Wrigleyville was uh, the area that I represented, and um, being the center from Wrigleyville was very interesting, and Major League Baseball, and the Chicago Cubs came to me in about 2007 and asked me if I would help them work with the community to get lights in Wrigley Field. And the community was against it. There was a community organization. No, you're called, talking 88. This has been 88. I'm talk, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I'm sorry, right, I yeah. gave you the wrong date. Yeah. It, was two, it was 1988. Yeah. And there was a community organization called CUBS, mm-hmm. Citizens United for Baseball in the Sunshine. I remember them. Yellow and T-shirts. They wanted no night games at Wrigley Field. They wanted nobody coming into their, into their home, their community, their parking spots at night. And um, they were against it. And so we worked together to to work something out, to get a compromise. We reached a compromise for 18 night games initially at Wrigley Field, sticker parking so that the community would have their own parking. Um, The Cubs provided uh, off-site parking and buses and stuff to get to the the field and security 
uh, around the field. And so I think it was a win-win for everybody. And, of course, the property values have skyrocketed since our first night game on 888. Now, the the place uh, Miracle, a musical 108 years in the making, takes place at a working-class bar in Wrigleyville. So how do you think the uh, advent of night games has affected these very working-class bars that are in your Well, I think it's been great for the bars, to be sure. Uh, I mean, you've got... Tons of people coming in for an hour or two hours before the game, staying an hour or two hours after the game. Um, it's it's kind of the place to be. There's a whole ambiance there. It's not just the game. It is the ambiance before and after the game. And um, as we say in, in the show, Wrigleyville is changing. It's really changing a lot. It's being gentrified a lot. And little bars like the one in our show right. are... Um, Kind of, you know, our endangered species. Well, I think they're important. To them. Yeah, that's they're why we very like we, Dan Long. We like the Nissai Lounge. The Nissai Lounge is right. And, and right. Murphy's Bleachers still has a little sure. old, old yeah. flavor and stuff. But yeah, that's part of the community. I remember going to Mur- Murphy's Bleachers originally. Um, it had no rooftop. Yeah. Uh, it, it had no expansion. It had no outdoors. Um, it was really authentic Murphy's Bleachers, and now, of course. You, you can sit on the roof, you sit outside, it's expanded, and um, it's it tells you a lot about Wrigleyville. I'm curious, um, is the script fluid? I mean, when stuff happens, like we lost Bill Buckner, and that's a big thing in Cub Nation. I mean, Bill Buckner, everybody talked about, a lot of the old bits talked about his years in Boston, but he was such a gallant Cub. So if stuff like that happens, is the script fluid? Do you, do you write something like that in, how the people in the bar would react to Buckner's passing? Or no. Is, this, is, a strict, is it a rigid script? It's Well, I wouldn't say rigid, but it's we wouldn't write that into the uh-huh. script. But let me give you an example, uh-huh. a wonderful example. Let's say the Cubs win the World Series in 2019. You can bet. That if we're there, that will be written in and we will have a new segment about winning again in 2019. You bet. (laughs) A miracle, a musical, 108 years in the making. It's at the Royal George Theater, 1641 North Halstead. The crowd, at least the night I was there, very spirited. People really into it. They sing the seventh inning stretch. There's a a real strong affinity for just the vibe in the room, you know? There is a vibe in the room, and we have different people sing the seventh inning stretch before Act Two begins. Ryan Sandberg sang it opening night. We've had Willa Contreras there. We had uh, Wayne Mesmer sing it one night. We had Richard Roper, the movie critic from the Sun-Times, sing it. So He's a Sox it, fan. Yeah, but but he's he was very into it, and we'll, we'll have a lot of exciting people, um, both from the sports world and the entertainment world, uh, participating in the show, singing the seventh-inning stretch. Um, there'll be a lot of exciting things happening in the coming weeks. All, let's do a little background stuff. All Equity cast, all Equity, and no, all, all. No, it's not all Equity. Oh, I thought it was. No, there are some. There are some non-Equity actors. It's a mix of Equity, mostly Equity, but there are some non-Equity actors in it. All original music. All original, hundred percent original music. Kind of a describe the music, kind of a, in your own words. Kind oh of a pop boy, uh, we have. T- 
just fantastic music. Michael Mahler has written most of the music, and it is the kind of things you can hum and sing and whistle as you're leaving the theater. It's memorable. Uh, a couple of fantastic songs were written by Julian Frazen. One song called The Voice Above the Crowd, which is oh, yeah. really memorable about the great voices in history that we remember. The voices above the crowd, and now they are voices above the cloud yeah. because they have died. The Jack Brickhouses, the Harry Carries, the Ron Santos, the Lou Boudreaux, the Vince Lloyds um, of Cup history. And then uh, how'd you get our friend Arnie Granite involved? Well, Arnie's my best friend, yeah. and uh, I've been telling him about this for a long time, and Arnie, Arnie uh, is doing a lot of other things, and he kind of said, you know, I'm into this, I'm into that. But as I kept talking to him and as he kept seeing it develop, he um, he got really turned on, and he saw this was really something that he didn't imagine when we first talked about it, and it's become something very special. So I think when people go to see this show at the Royal George, they're not going to, they have no idea what to expect. I mean, this is not a show about strikes and balls. Yeah, it's right. not a show, if you're a, a, a woman that says, I'm not into baseball, this is this is not about baseball. This is about a family. This is about a family just like any other family in Chicago that has ups and downs and overcomes adversity and has anxiety and loses faith and regains faith and has the normal problems of dollars and cents and intrafamily problems that any family has. You will see the highlights in the background on the screens projected, but the show and the emotion of the show is about a family. Um. I saw. I think the Tribune said it was like kind of for Cub fans only. Sox fans can other 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 non Cub oh, fans. You know? This is not at all a show about Cub fans yeah, only. Okay. Uh -huh. I mean, we have. I've I've got quotes on my phone from people coming out of the show saying, "I'm not a baseball fan. I'm not a Cub fan." I loved it. I cried. I was emotionally involved, and that's what the show's about. It's not just about the Cubs at all. And uh, bleacher bums. Did that? Was that in the Floatsam and Jetsam? Did you think about that at all? I'm sure you saw it when it was here. I did see it. And this is something completely different, but did you think about Bleacher Bums at all? Truthfully, Dave, I did not think about Bleacher Bums at all because this is much deeper than Bleacher Bums. I mean, obviously it's a musical. Obviously we have projections of the, of the season. But the character developed and the emotional involvement about a family, about a grandfather, about a father, about a little 11-year-old girl is is really deep and you come out feeling it and in, and engaged and rooting for the family much more than you did with bleacher bums okay we're going to take a break then i get a little bit more into your background i want to also we've been talking about faith so i want to get into that a little bit sure. faith so, so sure. don't go away on nocturnal journal It's Miracle, a musical, 108 years in the making, and it's at the Royal George Theater, 1641 North Halstead. What, Wednesday through Sunday? I'm, I don't know. Yes, like Wednesday that. through Sunday. They can get tickets either by uh, miraclethemusical.com, going online, miraclethemusical.com, or they can call the uh, box office at the Royal George Theater. And that's uh, William Maravich, you're the co-producer of Miracle, and I'm going to read you this, Mr. Maravich. I probably know the answer to this. What are your plans for the first day of summer, Friday night, June 21st? How would you like to spend a romantic evening under the Ravinia stars with 19-time Grammy award-winning music icon, 
the legendary Tony Bennett, one of the greatest singers of our time. His annual sold-out concerts are a highlight of the Ravinia Festival summer season, and Tony always sings. I remember he did an album, uh, I Left My Heart in San Francisco, where he had like a, a Giants warm-up jacket on uh, at every performance. We have two pairs of lawn tickets to see Tony Bennett on Friday night, June 21st, for the second and fourth caller. You can get row at 312-981-7200. That's Two sets of lawn tickets for Tony Bennett on Friday night, June 21st at Ravinia. I'm sure you've seen Tony Bennett. I want to tell you something. If you haven't seen Tony Bennett, you're missing something because yeah. he's not going to be around that, that long. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's a song stylist. He's infectious in his enthusiasm. He's phen- phenomenal. He's I a- mean, the, my two favorite singers are Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett in no particular order. And if you get a chance on the to come out and see Tony, you really should do that. He's he's just a wonderful guy personally and just a great a great song stylist. You should if he's around town, you should get him to come out and do the seventh inning stretch. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> That'd be Wouldn't great. that be great? Um I was telling you during the break there, um, I, I'm listening to you talk about faith, and that makes me want to ask you. I don't know much. Where'd you grow up? And talk about your roots in Chicago. For sure, yeah. I grew up on the on in, on the north side of Chicago in an area called West Rogers Park. Uh, I started off at a high school called Sen High mm-hmm. School, and then they built a brand new high school called Mather High School, and they took all the kids who lived west of Western, and they after our first year at Sen. They moved us to Mather High School, so we came into Mather as sophomores, and there were no juniors or seniors. So imagine going into a brand new high school where you get to pick the the colors, the slogan, the nickname, everything. And I was the first captain of the Mather tennis team because there were no juniors or seniors. It was it was wonderful. So there you go. Uh, do you? You find faith and, 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 and empowerment in sports, uh, your tennis, going to baseball games. I think, Dave, to be very honest, if I look back on my life, I found faith from my best friend and my confidant and the person that I loved most in my life, my father, who was the nicest, kindest, most thoughtful, decent, compassionate, generous human being I ever met in my life. And he was my inspiration, and he was my faith. And did that help you lead you into politics? Yes, I think it did help me help lead me into politics, along with his brother, Abraham Lincoln Merovitz, mm-hmm. who was my uncle, who never was married. So we were like kids to him. And so between he and my dad, they sort of led me into politics. And I got a, I got a call one day that changed my life from a guy named Richard J. Daly. When I was practicing law with a family law firm, and he said, do you have time to come see me? I said, of course, Mr. Mayor. And I walked across the street, and he gave me a bear hug, and he said, Billy, I need you to do me a favor. I said, you want me, a young whippersnapper in his 20s, to do you a favor? Well, there's a district on the north side that I keep losing, and I need someone to run that I think can win, and I think you can do it. I know a little bit about you and your family and your your friends and uh, your gift of gab, and I think you ought to do it. Well, as a 20-some-year-old kid, you don't say no to Richard J. Daly. (laughs) You just can't. You live in this city. So it changed my life, and I ran, and I got no endorsements from anybody. Nobody thought I could win, and I wound up winning by a landslide, and uh, it changed my life. 
Wow, wow. So what are you doing now outside of outside of theater? I'm, I'm real interested in this City Tech Center in Fulton Market. Yeah, I'm doing... So I, talk about I, stuff you're doing away from when the I, theater. When I, left, when I left the Senate, I bought a lot of the land in River North, and I put up 60-story buildings all over River North with condos and, and uh, rentals and parking and uh, uh, restaurants and retail. And um, that was very successful. And now I'm doing a, a real estate project just west of Google on Fulton and Carroll, uh, a very high-tech building, probably the most high-tech building in Chicago with a mixed-use commercial um, on the lower floors and a hotel on the upper floors. And I'm very excited about that project. I'm also doing a project similar to that in Miami, right across the American Airlines Arena, Oh, really? Uh, also called a very high-tech center with a hotel on top. So I think I've got the next several years of my life pretty much uh, spoken for. So talk about these two disciplines then. We're here to talk about theater, and then you have that. So are they just two separate things? or do you, well, Is this like a breakaway for you? Dave, the, the, thing that, the thing that turns me on at, at this stage of my life is really not making money, and it's not power. It's, it's creating something that wasn't there before. It's satisfying my creative juices. And to come up with a germ of an idea in February of 2016, before the season ever started, and keep nurturing it, watering it, and seeing it come to fruition, that is, that is a high that I can't even explain to anybody. When 50 people walk in a room and they're going to put this play on that I've all hired, um, and this play is now at the Royal George and thousands of people are leaving it every every week and enjoying it and laughing and humming that's that's a pretty high feeling uh, to know that you've done that and um, it's just about creativity had you ever done anything like this before miracle a musical I mean a, a theater no I've never done anything in theater I've invested in theater yeah, I've right. invested in some Fabulous theater. I invested in a play called Spam a lot. I invested mm -hmm. in a play called uh, All the Way with Brian Cranston, who played LBJ right after Kennedy was assassinated. I invested in a play called Glen Gary, Glen Ross. But I was a yeah. very passive investor in all of those ventures. In this particular venture, I'm the producer and I am the decision maker. And uh, so it's all in my lap. And um, you know, there's highs and lows and potholes, a lot of anxiety, and also a lot of satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, I just like your gumption. I mean, the fact you just said you were going to get this thing done, you're you're, you're very goal oriented on this whole thing. This is this is gonna this is gonna happen. If you believe in something, yeah. you really got to go for it. You, you got to be all in, and you got to have a lot of tenacity. Uh, things don't just happen unless you ready to make them happen and do whatever needs to be done to make it happen. And this was an idea, a dream that I had, and I thought, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to make this happen. And it's uh, the set. I just want to try to do a visual picture. You've got the screens where you can, I mean, I, it was emotional to see some of that footage because I hadn't seen it in a mm -hmm. while. And you did get MLB's sure. cooperation. MLB was very helpful. The Cubs were very helpful. Yeah. Was, there no, was, there no, was there Pat Hughes stuff, or were you able to get that? I heard Bill, sure, Cur the, I heard Bill, Bill Curtis heard one Bill time. Bill Curtis, yeah. you heard Bob Surratt. Yeah, yeah. But the last call, the last out, was Pat Hughes' actual call 
from the radio from the night we won the the World Series. Where were you at that night? Do you remember? I was at my friend Arnie Granite's. You were. The two of I were just in his uh, apartment watching it by ourselves, and you know, living and dying like everybody else. So yeah. When, when Rashid Davis hit the <laughs> two run tying home run, when we were five outs away. I thought, oh my God, here we go again. I can't believe the curse is happening again. We were all so close. Everybody thought that. Everybody around the country. Yeah, sure. Thought that. We're five outs away. We're up six to four. And all of a sudden, this guy hits a home run. And then there's a rain delay. And what happens in the rain delay and the, and the, the conversation that, that uh, Haywood had with his teammates in private is very similar to the conversation that our protagonist has with his family members in this show. Yeah, it's 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 so it's so well done. Where were you at? Were you at the? I don't even like to mention his name, but the, I feel sorry for him. But where were you at for the Bartman game? I was at the Bartman. So game. was I. Yeah. I was at the Bartman we're, game, and I couldn't believe you have Kerry Wood and Mark <laughs> Pryor going, and we're up. And I figured it's a lock. It's a lock. Okay, and you know what? Nothing's a lock. Yeah, yeah, I know that was that was quite a moment. Well. Thank you. So, thanks, first of all, for coming in. I know you were a busy guy tonight. I kind of, I kind of forced you to come down to the studio. Well, this was so. very enjoyable. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're, a, you're an icon, an institution in this city. And wow. thanks for being Dave. Thank you. And give, give the listeners all the details again. Miracle, a musical, a hundred years in the making. Yeah. yeah. Go, go to miraclethemusical.com and you can get tickets, or call the Royal George Theater and you'll be able to get tickets for any night. We'll shoot Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, matinee on Sunday. And it's a nice space. And you it's were, a wonderful popcorn space. Popcorn and beer. It's all affordable. You bet. You bet. Nice. Thank you, Mr. Verovitz, for, for coming in. Thanks, Dave. And we'll see you again. Okay. We'll be back with more Nocturnal Journal after this. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. And we are very, very honored to have, I know that they're busy people, in the Allstate Skyline studio, we have singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Jonas Friddle. Can you hear me, Jonas? Sure can, Dave. And you brought along Anna Jacobson? I did. And you're going to play trumpet, Anna? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a and a little fiddle. Okay. So um, talk about, uh, you're going to play, the first song you guys are going to play, are the title track of your new record, The Last Place to Go. Um, but before you play, just set up a little bit of what the music people are going to hear tonight. Talk about, uh, I know you go all over the place, but you know, talk about your musical style. Yeah, I am a little all over the place. Uh, I've played with um, a few different groups over the years here in Chicago, a, a jug band and, uh, and a large, what, what we'd call an orchestral folk group called The Majority. Um, and uh, this latest record, however, is, is a, a little bit more of a country bent to it, maybe... Uh, Americana, I think, is the genre that they're calling it these days. Uh, I don't play as much banjo on this la latest record as I did on the previous ones. Sticking to a guitar, and um, but I've I've kept Anna with me through all these <laughs> through all these different forms because she plays everything and she sings and uh, I don't know I don't know how we do these records without her. So uh, yeah, these are all my own songs. Some of the earlier materials, some of the earlier records had a. Uh, uh, all jug band music from the 1920s and then some arranged string band square dance music for uh, some of the other lineups we had in which Anna played French horn on so wow. add that one to the list well, I'm really looking forward to it. Is the record out now? The record's out now, right? The record's out now, yeah. We put it out last month. We had an album release party at the Old Town School of Folk Music uh, just about a month ago and um, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna keep playing these new tunes. Our next show in the area will be at Space on June 30th 
We're also out uh, at a new space, uh, uh, a new venue in Aurora called The Venue. Yeah, I saw that, 629. Yeah. I like your accent. Oh, thanks. I feel like we're doing Prairie Home Companion here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm from North Carolina, yeah, but we're gonna, I've, I've I want to get into that. It's, but... soft, it's softened up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But I want to hear the music. So right. uh, here it is, the last place to go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Outside the tent, the signs were all mad. Inside the tent, the clowns were all sad. The seats were half empty when the ringmaster took his last bow. There was candy and popcorn stuck on the shoes. There was just one reporter stuck with the news and with the voice of my mother. He asked me what I would do now Oh now How am I supposed to run away now They've taken the last place to go Some folks have homes in the city But mine was the show on the road fly off the back of my bike pedal in circles most every night through the spotlights of TVs the trailer park windows were blue ah but dreams are like whiskey in a cheap paper cup you gotta drink them all down before they burn up and they drop through the bottom Landing all over your shoes Oh, how am I supposed to run away now? They've taken the last place to go Some folks have homes in the country But mine was the show on the road Now the trapeze artist just lies in his net while the fire breather lights cigarettes and makes bets with the stuntman where the trick pony will end up and the Florida plains have a new sound it's the crying of trumpets shaking the ground the elephants are free and me I'm straight out of love Alright now How am I supposed to run away now You've taken the last place to go Some folks have homes in the city Mine was the show on the road But mine was the show on the road Outstanding. Wow, that song... <laughs> 
Very, very good there. Thanks, Dave. Thanks so much for... Uh, so talk about... I, I've got... I don't, I don't want to deconstruct the whole song, but talk about the arrangement and talk about the idea to bring in the horns. Um, well, any chance I get to, to have Anna play trumpet, uh, we like it. Also, uh, this is maybe the only tune I wrote in B-flat, which suits the trumpet pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty Thank well. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess any time you... You you say the name of an instrument in a tune uh, in the lyrics. You've got a you got a coin toss of whether you should use the instrument or not. And I think we went with we yes. went with using the instrument. Still waiting for the French horn mention. Yeah, in your lyrics. yeah, yeah. I got to fit yeah. French and horn in this. Yeah. <laughs> what inspired that song? Uh, I actually saw um, uh, actually saw the last tour of the uh, Ringling Brothers. A circus that came through Chicago, and um, somebody gave uh, myself and uh, and um, Steve Doyle, who I who I work with, and who also he plays dobro and electric guitar in the full band, and they gave us tickets to take our our two daughters to uh, to the circus, and I hadn't been since I was a little kid myself, and so we went, and I saw the news just like a month or so later that they were closing that down, and. So it just made me think about it and think about, you know, what it means to have something that long running and sort of that I- iconic uh, fold up. And and being on the road, uh, you know, I like that line about the show on the road. I mean, just life, life, just moving around America. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those, you know, I'll never get to run away with that particular circus now. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I blew my last shot, Dave. <laughs> That was, that was it, man. I should have. I should have just was jumped. Your act? I, I want to know. <laughs> should have jumped right up there on one of those trapezes or the ribbons or whatever. Yeah, they still have those carnivals that come to the county fairs and stuff like they that. They do. Those, I'm actually those. pretty good friends with the folks who run the midnight circus, uh, who do the the circus for the parks here at the city, and they run a great circus. Yeah. So you can still get some some quality circusing. <laughs> so talk about your own journey. I mean, you're from North Carolina, the mountains of North Carolina. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm from Black Mountain. Um, which is pretty close to Asheville. That's the place people know yeah. most. Um, I went to college in Kentucky, Berea, uh, Berea Kentucky. And I've been there. Oh, yeah? I've been to the his- the Boone Tavern. Yeah, you got some spoon bread? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good call. You, you came right back at me. Yeah. But no, I don't... Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great little town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cool place. It's a, it's a cool college, and uh, I got to... They have a, actually bluegrass for credit, so I took a bluegrass class and became part of a bluegrass band there at the school and uh, got real interested in traditional music and uh, because of that I, I, I got pretty lucky I got a chance to to get outside of the US for about a year and do some traveling and some uh, some fiddle tune collecting um, from outside the US and then when I got back I had to try and find a place where I could put that to work uh, so Chicago uh, has the old town school of folk music and that's that seemed like a good place to to Put my foot in, and you came here in two thousand seven. That's about right. right. Yeah, that's that seems right. like a. That's longer than it seems. <laughs> but I want to back up when you say fiddle tune collecting. So talk, tell the listeners what what that means. And you said outside the United States. So what was it? An Alan Lomax type thing? Did you go? What did you learn in that? I had a Watson Fellowship. Um, ah. So uh, specifically to, to to study community building through traditional music. Oh, really? So I would go. Uh, I was in Ireland, uh, Scotland, uh, Canada, and Australia, uh, and uh, I would go to 
to places where they would play uh, community music, sitting in circles, um, playing tunes, barn dances, uh, Kaylee's, things like that, and and um, keep my recorder running for the sessions. I'd, I brought I had a little handheld recorder, and I would put it down for the three to five hours that the session would run, and I'd go home and and I would try to learn as many of the tunes as I can, and come back the next night to another session and sort of catalog and 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 learn as much as I can, and then pay attention also to how. Uh, people were using the music to to keep their culture and their community intact uh in those in those different places it was a pretty it was a pretty great time that's pretty wild did um roughly how many hours of of tapes do you have or did oh, you, you put I, a number I, on it I, no i mean i filled a it was it was a digital recorder so i just i filled a hard drive with it i don't i don't know how much that was I, and i i was by no means trained in the cataloging arts so I mean, it's just tons and tons of footage uh, that you can you can scroll through and and just hear a lot of tunes. Wow, I, I didn't know that. I want I want to ask you. Uh, we're going to take a break here, but um, I want to get back into that community thing. And then we're going to come back with another song too. But um, so don't go away. You guys aren't going to go anyway, right? I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> we'll be back with more on Nocturnal Journal after this. Hi, it's me, Lou Manfredini for Seattle Sutton's Healthy Eating. I did it. Set a goal in January to lose 30 pounds, and I did it. Not with some crazy shake diet or no carbs, no sugar fad, but by eating balanced, freshly prepared meals delivered to my door. It's delicious. My blood pressure is normal. That was my number one goal, to be healthier so I can be around for my wife, my children, my friends, and you. You all keep calling me on Saturday mornings. Someone has to answer all those questions. I spring up the stairs. I sleep like a baby. I don't even snore anymore. I think that might be the best news for my wife. Now look, I'm not anything special. I'm just like you. And if I can have this success and feel this good, so can you. Call Seattle Sutton's Healthy Eating today. 800-442-3438. 800-442-3438. Make a positive change in your life like me. Go to their website and learn more. SeattleSutton.com. There's an amazing supper club in Wisconsin Dells. Ishnala, nestled among the pines and perched above the sandstone bluffs of Mirror Lake. The beauty, the history, the service, the food, the fun. Hi, this is Bob Prosser, owner of Ishnala Supper Club in Wisconsin Dells. I have been a part of Ishnala for 30 years, and I am so proud to continue the tradition that began in 1953. Why not enjoy a brandy old-fashioned in one of our bars, each with a spectacular view overlooking Mirror Lake, or just relax before or after dinner on one of our outdoor decks. Our Ishnala chefs have prepared your favorites, 24-ounce ribeye, cold water lobster tails, North Atlantic salmon, and of course, Ishnala's roast duck. Thank you for making Ishnala Wisconsin's favorite supper club, where the only thing we overlook is Mirror Lake. I'm Bob Prosser, and I want to serve you. Paid actor endorsement. Individual rates, coverage offerings, and savings may vary. Subject to terms and conditions. Not available in all areas. Owning a small business means I'm constantly pulled in a dozen directions. Are orders coming in? Are shipments going out? Am I losing business to the competition? So when I started hiring employees, workers' comp insurance was low on my list of things to figure out. I just went with the biggest name provider and crossed my fingers. I had no idea I might be overpaying until a friend recommended Pi Insurance. And just like that, I found out I could save 30%. 
Pi Insurance's simple, streamlined online process puts you in control. You can get an online quote in as little as two minutes, right from your computer or smartphone. Our workers' comp insurance is A-rated by AM Best and helps protect your business and your employees. And we may be able to save you a bundle. Saving big money on workers' comp insurance was as easy as pie. Find out if your small business is overpaying for workers' comp insurance. Get a quote and see how much you can save at pieinsurance.com. That's P-I-E insurance.com. This week on Chicago's Best, it's crispy, savory, and oh, so perfect. It should be its own food group. It's Chicago's Best Bacon. Sunday night at 10 on WGN-TV. And in the All-State Skyline studio, we are very, very uh, honored to have Jonas Fiddle and Anna Jacobson. How are you guys doing over there? Doing oh, great. Good. I like the sound of bacon. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and you don't have to see me too much. I can, I, can, I can see you, but you don't have to look at me. So very professional. Very... Hey, you know, um, this community, so you've got gigs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna pick to pick up and run with the community thing. You've got gigs 629 at the venue in Aurora and 630 at Space in Evanston. Well, that, that's, is that the full band? That's the full band. And what what are you going to play? What kind of just to describe the set, uh, all the different styles, and that leads to another question. Yeah, so the the we'll be working mostly off this n- new record, which will so these are um, new tunes, all all songs that I've written. The instrumentation is drums, bass. There's dobro uh, and Telecaster. There's some trumpet and fiddle, um, and I, and I'll be playing uh, guitar, and then. Um, uh, we have we have quite a few fans who uh, who really enjoy the banjo and fiddle music that uh, that I, I play a lot of and have played a lot of in different forms. So we make sure that we 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 bust out the banjo and and we get a little boot stomping in there too. So these little side projects I work on, whether it's books or little documentaries or maybe sometimes even this radio show, I I, I have a thesis that I believe in the times we're living in now that can be kind of fragmented, that it's really important for communities to know about other communities and learn about each other. Do you see that um, in the shows you, you go to and, and, and the art both of you guys put put out there and just keeping open ears and just trying to share in a world that's kind of fragmented right now? I do. Uh, I know... Um just just the p- different people that are even in the immediate group that I play with they all come from such different disciplines um that uh, even on my way down the drive down here I got to pick Anna's brain about what it's like to play french horn in a in an orchestral piece that's so far outside of my realm and, and I get to meet people uh who who do different things uh musically and and we then we get to collaborate and uh we learn about each other I don't I don't know if it were if it weren't for music, I, I I don't know if I would have met the kind of people that I've met. Definitely wouldn't have been the places that I've been. How many countries did you when you were doing this uh, community building uh, through traditional music? How many places did you, did you go? Did you go to? I was in four. I was in four different countries on that trip. And they were. Yeah, uh, uh, Ireland, Scotland, Australia, and Canada. Boy, that's really really impressed with that. So why don't you introduce this song? Yeah. This song's called uh, Famous of Fire. Okay. Take it away, and then we'll talk about it. Sounds good. Okay. (laughs) One, two, three. I 
And it's hard to say we've got it good We've been scratching out a living so long We've chewed right through the wood We got married young No one does that anymore They all said we did it cause we're poor But I know we had what they're still looking for They all want good love darkness we build the most famous of fire not all that shines keeps you warm and many in the night will chase the moon and when I see just how lost I could be I thank my lucky stars that I found you Let them think that they are right I smile as they pass us Their fists full of matches It's you with whom I choose to spend the night They all want good love Love like ours Though we may make camp In the ordinary darkness We build the most famous fires Settling down, settling down, settling down Isn't settling at all Settling down, settling down, settling down Isn't settling at all Just one good love. So come away from the window and look inside to my heart. I'll worry too about getting day. It's been a long time since I have feared the dark. I worry too about getting through the day. It's been a long time since I have feared the dark. Jonas Friddle and Anna Jacobson. Famous of fire, right? That's it. And is that off the new record? That is. And tell me, uh, you know, your imagery, um, you got a degree in English? I do. Does that does that come into play in the songs you write, or is it two separate things? No, I think it does. I, I've, always, um, I've always liked writing. Uh, my uh, emphasis in, uh, in my composition in, in college was playwriting. I really liked, uh, I really liked good stories. Oh. So, yeah, it makes sense. Anna? Yeah. I, I went in there and looked at you guys. I took it. You stand so far apart from each other. Is that? Is it, this is no, where they put it. That's that, where they put oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so you can see each other. How did you meet Jonas? Uh, I 
came into town uh, maybe a couple years after Jonas did for grad school in orchestral <laughs> French horn performance at DePaul. Um, so something very different from what we're doing here right now. Um, and I showed up to uh, well, my, my husband, who's a trombone player, met Jonas at the Old Town School, and Jonas said, come sit in with my jug band, and he said, can I bring my wife and her fiddle too, which I was barely playing that instrument at the time. I sort of put it aside to focus on horn. So we, we showed up, and we didn't really know what a jug band was, but we figured it out real fast. <laughs> and what is, tell the listeners, what is, how would you define a, a jug band? Uh, it's uh, an old, uh, sort of old-time, uh, sort of 1920s. Uh, kind of, the jug itself, I think people get confused because they think of a bottle band yeah. or something like that. Uh, the jug functions as the base of the band, um, which it, it's a familiar thing to us brass players. You, you sort of use the same mechanism to play it, you just don't put your mouth to a mouthpiece like you do with brass. Um, so we, we ended up joining the band. It was great. <laughs> um, which, which was great because I was in this really sort of intensive mode musically and, and the jug band was so far away from that that it was a <laughs> great way to relax at the end of a It's day been called the happiest music in the world. I think that's the... <laughs> There's a jug band jubilee in Louisville, and that's their slogan. It's the happiest music in the world. Well, we're going to have to take a break, but maybe we can uh, uh, tip the listeners off to what we'll talk about. But I do want to talk about the Minneapolis Battle of Jug Band. <laughs> I, yeah. I, we got to figure out what that's all about. That was like 2010, but, man, you were in a pancake league and a waffle league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we nailed both of those. We mm -hmm. won both of those back-to-back. -back. <laughs> Why are they called that, pancakes and waffles? The trophy, is one, the trophy for one is a waffle iron, and the trophy for the other is a, is a pancake griddle. Really? That's it. And um, how many people, how many bands enter the Minneapolis Battle of Jug Band? Oh, I think there's um, across the two nights, there's two nights, and across the two nights, there's probably four, 40 to 50 bands total. Wow. I think would be a fair estimation. Yeah, come from all over. From all over the country. And do they still do this? I mean, they you still were... do it, yeah. I just went in February. Mm -hmm. Did take, you really? Yeah, I take a bunch of students from the Old Town School up uh, and, and the Hump Night Thumpers. If you're listening to Hump Night Thumpers, uh, here's your shout-out. Really? You take them up there? Yeah, we go up there and we have a good time. <laughs> so we're going to take a break for the news. You guys can hang around and do a couple more songs. Yeah. You guys are outstanding. Thank you. Thank okay, you. so don't go away on Nocturnal Journal. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN and... In the Allstate Skyline studio, we have Jonas Friddle, and we have Anna Jacobson. How are you doing over there? Great. Real good. So thanks so much. Uh, so you guys are also, you're, obviously, you're both members of the majority. Yes. Mm -hmm. How many pieces in that group? Sometimes uh, some eight-ish. Eight uh, part, part of the reason the band's called the majority is as, as long as a certain number of people can make it to the gig, it goes. So it's, it's a, it fluctuates. And that's what you'll see on 629 at the venue in Aurora and 630 at Space in Evanston. Uh, no, the, oh. this yeah. So this this group is just uh, is just under my own name. Oh, okay. Yeah, this will. So the it's Jonas Friddle, but it's it's still five pieces. Oh, five you can pieces. Catch that one at Midsummer Fest, right? Yes. The majority. The majority will be playing at Midsummer Fest. And when's that? In I, it's next weekend, right? Oh, next weekend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, on that Sunday. Yeah. And we have the minority here. That's, that's it. That's what we are. Two, two people Just the here. two of us. Yeah. So uh, why don't you set up this song, uh, Cuba yeah, this out is, of JFK. Yeah, this is called Cuba out of JFK. And uh, 
I wrote this tune after watching um, well, that's the, the Decade series, uh, the CNN Decade series. Uh, thinking about the, the the missile crisis, and then uh, and then that at that point, uh, recent reopening of uh, reopening of um, relationships that uh, President Obama was was working on. Okay. a good news reel We check the NASDAQ market when we want to know how we feel I used to wear my Air Jordans like they were my Sunday shoes Your daddy looked like Tom broke our baby My mama sang the Sunday news She sang Life's been different since we dropped the bomb and we Treat each other like it's Vietnam now Who cares what side you're on When you gotta get away You gotta get it I'm headed down to Cuba, baby Flying out of JFK All the Star Wars babies When they want it, they can use the force they grew up too lazy to finalize their own divorce. I got 40 years of debt, four years of liberal arts. Got an iceberg of regret, baby. A Titanic to Noah's Ark, and I'm singing. Life's been different since we dropped the bomb, and we treat each other like it's Vietnam now. Who cares what side you're on When you gotta get away You gotta get up I'm headed down to Cuba, baby Flying out of JFK Alright, okay I'm headed down to Cuba Flying out of JFK Here we go, Jay. want my money honey here you can have it all call it a souvenir baby a piece of the berlin wall and i ain't a sympathizer but i reckon i could reconcile and maybe we can too baby but maybe we should wait a while Life's been different since we dropped the bomb And we treat each other like it's Vietnam now Who cares what side you're on When you gotta get away, you gotta get up I'm headed down to Cuba, baby, flying out of GFK Alright, okay I'm headed down to Cuba, baby, flying out of GFK You know what I'm talking about I'm headed down to Cuba, flying out of JFN. I'm headed down to Cuba, flying out of JFN. I'm headed down to Cuba, baby. JFK. Get that last.
last note in there, Jonah, Jonas Friddle and Anna Jacobson. Um, tell people how they can find your music. It's it's so awesome. Uh, JonasFriddle.com is the easiest way to get to to get to all of it, but it's it's out there. Uh, you can you can get it from Amazon, iTunes, Spotify. You can get the whole thing. Best way to get it's to come to a show. Yeah. we've got yeah. the. We're real proud. We we pressed vinyl on this one. We we cut this record uh, straight to reel to reel tape. It was an all analog session, and then we we cut it to vinyl, and it 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 sounds great. So if you've got a record player, this is this is a good record for it. Um, Jonas, question for both of you guys. But we'll start with Jonas. Um, why did you decide to come to Chicago? I mean, you said the Old Town School, but I mean, did you know about the Old Town School? Um, are I there did. other reasons? I, I did. I, I I did know about the Old Town School. Um, I had seen uh, a musician who I'm, uh, I'm, I really enjoy listening to. I'd uh, Abigail Washburn. I'd seen on her list of concert dates uh, this place called the Old Town School of Folk Music, and I kind of clicked on it and was uh, saw that it, what it was about. And I knew I had a friend, uh, friend, a roommate in college who lived here. Hi, Clay, if you're listening. And he let me come up. Uh, I got a little summer position at the school to to check it out, and I I lived under his kitchen table, slept <laughs> under his kitchen table, and spent the summer getting to know the school, and decided it was a it was a good fit. And you ended up teaching there. Mm-hmm. What yeah. did you teach? Well, you mentioned jug band stuff, but what yeah, did you teach? I teach I teach jug band blues uh, along with old time uh, old time music from the nineteen twenties. I teach fiddle and banjo and guitar. Uh, I work in the adult department and in, in the kids department, so I have. Uh, I have some uh, youth students I'm real proud of. I actually have uh, Cowboy Jesus and the Sugar Bums are playing uh, at the Do Division Fest tomorrow at 1 p.m. So you guys got to get out and see. They're pretty awesome. You got to get out and see them. Wow. And Ann and I co-teach a youth string band ensemble. Um, and, and they're getting a lot of work right now, too. Who you, for the old-time music, who are your students and why, why do they take that? Varies pretty widely. I mean, yeah. we have... Like I said, Anna, I teach uh, like grade school age kids, all the way up to um, uh, retirees who are finding music uh, f- for the first time, and and that's. I, th- I think part of the reason people are drawn to it is that social aspect. Um, once you learn to do it, there's a lot of opportunities to to get out there and uh, sit in a circle. We do a lot of jamming at the Grafton Irish Pub right there in Lincoln Square, just in the back room. It's the kind of music you know you have something to do with once you've learned it. If you've learned all of the Pete Townsend solos and things, it's kind of hard to find a a, a nice place that's going to let you plug your amp in and really <laughs> blow the room out. Were you familiar with the um, the the folk uh, scene here of gosh the '70s? You know, with Stevie Goodman and John Prine and Bonnie Kolak and Bill Quaitman and the Holsteins. I mean, did that reg- uh, resonate with you at all? I'm a, or did you learn about that once you got to Chicago? Yeah, so I'm a huge, I'm a huge John Prine fan. I grew up listening to a lot of John Prine. Love his music. I was, uh, I did not know. I mean, I was yes surprised pleasantly to find out about his connection to Chicago and the school specifically, and then Steve Goodman, and um, uh, I learned about Fred and Ed Holstein. Also, and Ed still teaches at the school. Yeah, I get to, I see get to see him around, and man, he's he's great. He's something. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. really great. We love Ed here. Yeah, Anna, same thing. What what uh, talk, talk about your roots? Uh, I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, what part? Uh, northwestern Wisconsin, okay. near Eau Claire, near near the Twin Cities over there. I'm from a very small town uh, called Elk Mound, 800 people or so. Um, 
and I um, I went to undergrad in Wisconsin and met uh, my now husband who's from Oak Park so um, it sort of made sense when I was applying to grad schools and deciding where to go to come down here because there's his family's down here at least um, and DePaul has a great music school so that's where I ended up um, and I stayed <laughs> it it seems like um, you're busy. I mean, is it uh, talk about the process of getting gigs? Um, is it hard to get gigs? How hard is it to promote what you do? Yeah. What's I the think, business angle of it like for you guys? Well, I think my my end of things is a little different from Jonas because he he books most of the stuff for this this kind of group. Um, for me, uh, coming here for grad school really helped with networking and stuff like that. I don't know how people come to this city and just find gigs like that that sounds really intimidating i think a lot of things fell into place really well um for me but um yeah i don't have to do a ton of actively searching for for gigs because once you're sort of on some sub lists for orchestras and playing in chamber groups things sort of come to your inbox um and i think jonas does way more of the heavy lifting of getting getting out there and finding gigs. The sound is, is irresistible. It's really, really great. Um, we got to take a break, and I'm going to try to squeeze for sure one more song, and we get two songs out of you. So don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Going back. Goodbye. Tomorrow afternoon. The high, deep drive to right field. And another one. Out of here to right field for the White Sox. The Chicago White Sox. The Cleveland Indians. The pregame at 1235. This is Ed Farmer. Darren Jackson and I have the first pitch at 110. Hey, it's Lucas Giolito. 50,000 watts of White Sox baseball on 720 WGN. Nearly every day, someone asks me, Walter, are those invisible lyric hearing aids from the Hearing Health Center really as good as you say they are? Well, let me tell you. I'd like to be able to put my hearing aids into your ears so you can experience what it's like to hear normally again. You can't feel them. You don't think about them. You don't even know they're there. You wear them day and night up to months at a time without ever taking them out, even to change the batteries. Well, right now with this special offer, I don't have to give you my lyrics. You can try your own for 30 days risk-free. Call 833-GO-HEARING for a free hearing checkup in Chicago, Naperville, Oak Brook, or Highland Park. So don't just listen to me. Call 833-GO-HEARING now. That's 833-GO-HEARING now. Or go to WGNHearing.com and find out for yourself. Attention investors. Not earning 18 to 21%? Then you're losing. Big time. National Realty's Class A Property Fund includes only prime income producing property built far below market value. You're secured. You're recession-proof with large apartment buildings. You're diversified with income streams from multiple buildings. You have 100% of free cash flows paid to you first. This portfolio has $600 million in new construction equity value in Brooklyn, Hoboken, the Jersey, Gold Coast, and Delray Beach, Florida. National's 12-year track record of proven success with $800 million of property under management is based on prime income property only. Stop recession risk and stock market churn with diversified 18-21% to returns for IRAs or cash flow. Once you see these Class A locations, you'll wonder what took you so long to call. Call 201-210-2727. That's 201 210 
2727. An offer to buy or sell any security is only made by our private placement memorandum. Read it first and invest wisely. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. National is a real estate development firm. See us at nria.net. A smile is a sign of confidence. At Eon Clinics, we know how important it is to talk, laugh, and live every day without worrying about your appearance. I'm more confident. I don't mind being in front of a group speaking. I don't hide behind my hand anymore. Don't let one more day pass without knowing your options. Our dental implants can not only change the way you look, but how you feel about yourself. They've made me a much happier person. I don't mind smiling. I don't mind being in pictures. And I don't mind laughing out loud. Love yourself. Invest in your smile with dental implants placed by our gentle, knowledgeable doctors. Take a step towards a better life with Eon Clinics. Call Eon Clinics today at 844-432-SMILE. That's 844-432-SMILE. Or visit our website at eonclinics.com. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Um, in the studio, Jonas Friddle and Anna Jacobson. Real quick, I, I requested this song. I was listening to your music today, Dirty South. That's the one, yeah. And uh, why don't we just go right into it? Sounds good. Okay. Lightning bends a flagpole We were watching from the screen porch the storm took the topsoil and muddied up the water of the Scuppernon River, home of the Cottonmouth. Talking about the dirty South. Caroline stood next to me with her bucket full of strawberries. Fingertips red and sweet She stood in the July heat And she ran her fingers To stains on the hem of her blouse Talking about the dirty south Oh, kick it up, it'll settle down Once your boots pick up the southern ground Ain't no water gonna wash it out Talking about the dirty south Don't give your mama no lip Pick your own hickory switch Weather blew the gutter of the shed roof in Ain't nothing that Papa can't fix Mind what you say Or Mama's gonna wash your mouth Talking about the dirty South They tore down the old home place Nothing left but the wrought iron rail Kick around the gravel and the nails 
you still hear amazing grace and it's a dusty hallelujah from the church where i took a vow i'm talking about the dirty sound Thank you so much. Wow, that, um, like I said, that's kind of timely for, Thanks, what, for what's going on right now. I mean, we talked about your degree in English. Your lyrics, uh, you have such a sense of economy? Or is that just me? I, I, I strive for it. No, yeah. I, a lot of cutting, a lot of editing yeah. down and trying to get just, just, just the right thing. You only got so much time to spit it out yeah. when you got a song. Yeah. And, um, before we run off, you got shows 629 at the venue in Aurora and 630 at Space in Evanston. That's right. Shoot out your website again. Yeah, www.jonasfriddle.com. And uh, we're going to launch into one more song. Why don't we just go ahead and do that? I, I was going to ask you about the John. Let's say this, though. The John Lennon songwriting contest, Belle de Louisville, yeah. about a steamboat. Yeah. About, and you wrote that on a banjo. I did, yeah. Yeah, all those things. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah, all those things, man. What yeah, made that, you write, write about that steamboat? Well, you know, the steamboat's the the image, but I, I, it's mostly about my wife and about moving about moving north. She's from that area, and uh, um, it's a it's an it's an image that works. If you've ever driven through Louisville, you're likely to see that boat as you go over the bridge there. Yes, I have, and I've actually gone to some bats games there. There you go. Yeah, yeah. big bats fan. So um, we're going to have you play out. I just want to thank everybody, and then I'll have you introduce the song. And um, thanks so much for coming down to see us. Thank you. I know you guys got a lot on your on your agenda, so thanks for having us. Taking the time out. Thanks to Roe Coleman for the production tonight, and thanks to Dan Long for the fine engineering. And you guys want to set up this song? Yeah, this is called "Samson Was a Lover." Thank you. Pulled from a lion's head Hard as any jawbone 
When it came to a woman's bed Samson was a lover This is what he said What would I, I do for love? What would I, I do for love? Would I do what I have to Like everybody does? What would I, I do for love? Samson was a fox catcher and a fire starter too. And he struck his match at the Philistines, laid them in their tubes. But the fire in his heart did his own mind consume. And I can feel that heat, darling, when I'm next to you. Love it. 